Hello, and welcome to this episode of The Largwaves. I'm one of your hosts, Michelle. I'm Lady Snuffles. Oh, no. Oh, no. Where's Justin? I am also Justin. Oh, no. Lady Snuffles, and did you, like, meld? Are you, like, Priscilla oh, now? Yeah. Oh, my God. This is, like, Full Metal Alchemist all over again. It, it no, no, is. no. I'm just imagining, like, like... Justin's car. Justin, he's a Edward. he's a two three he's a two three warrior human, Edward. and then Lady Snuffles, and then you just flip them, and it turns out they're like a crazy Emrakul monster. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's you now. Yeah, the trees are really horny here in San Francisco. Yep, they're and very excited to see everyone, especially our noses and I'm, eyes. Yeah, yeah my yeah. my nose in particular. There's just a lot of tree love going on. Tree love in my nostrils. Tree love in my face, and we also have one more person. I'm a bevy of beebles. Oh, the bob. The bob. You know me. You. You know you. Hi, Bob. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Unfortunately, um, the trees may really, really want to be with us, but you know who's a better company to be with? During these dark times. Is it our friends at Card Kingdom? Oh my goodness, it is our friends at Card Kingdom. How did I know? Oh my goodness, you're just psychic. You're just I, a psychic, psychic tree Call me now. Lover. <laughs> Actually, stop calling me. Don't don't call him now. He, he's got he's got some, some allergies. It's, it's going like, to be all snuffly. It's like every third call that I'm getting. Oh is, man, is UPS from... lost my last order from Card Kingdom. What? And Card Kingdom replaced the entire thing. That's amazing. Yeah, Card Kingdom has just been an amazing sponsor. They are so great when it comes to customer service. You know, they've got a team of really amazing people to help you. You can call, you can email them, you can send a raven, you can send an owl, you can send a cat, you can send a rat. And Card Kingdom just will, like, take them all. They'll take them all. They speak all of these different amazing, magical, familiar languages, and and they'll totally... Get your request and help you the best way they can. So, Card Kingdom, definitely the place to go to to buy magic cards and accessories. And while they're helping you, our patrons are helping us. Yes. Well, without our patrons out there supporting us on our weekly episodes, uh, I don't know that we could do it without you. Our yeah. mics would be way less clean. And You know, I was walking around today in San Francisco, walking to my studio, and I was like, oh man, days are dark. This is a rough time for people and Vorthoses, but you know, I'm so glad we have our patrons on Patreon. You know, they believe in us, and, and my day just got a little bit brighter and a little bit warmer. Yep. It our, was nice. Our patrons are great, except the ones that are trees. <laughs> yeah. If you are a tree and you patronize us, um, you know what? We're not about that life. Please they don't. They pay in pollen. Yeah, yeah, we're not about that. I mean, thank you for the carbon, the taking of the carbon dioxide and then turning it into oxygen through a process called photosynthesis, if you guys weren't aware. But yeah, the, the whole pollen thing is yeah. just, it's just too much. I mean, we don't want to get all up in your xylem and phloem, but like, can you please stop? So one thing that we do want to talk about, there's still a lot of story happening, as you may have noticed, but you know what? That doesn't mean that there haven't been amazing stories to tell and amazing characters that go along with them. And for this month in particular here in the United States, it is Black History Month. Woo! Yes. Because our country has had a great, which is to say not great, <laughs> past with black people, which, uh, but we're working on it. But as an American game, I think that 
Magic the Gathering really does go above and beyond and at least tries to do its best to create amazing representation of individuals who are strong, who are powerful, who are empowered, regardless of race. And it's been always inspirational to see people of color on these cards doing badass things. So uh, we're going to spend this episode basically singing the praises of our favorite Black characters in Magic. And oh my god, my cat's being really adorable. But you know what's even more adorable? My girl and me not to. Yes. She is scarily adorable. I didn't mean to segue into that, but I looked at my cat and he was being really cute. I'm like, I don't know how else to segue. <laughs> He's being Sorry, totally everyone. adorable. And I'm far away from the mic because the cat is in my arms and giving me all the cat rubs. Yep. He's, he loves, he loves Justin. Yeah. So Ami Natu is a character that showed up in Commander Product, I believe 2017, 2016? Uh, 18. Ah, you're right. 2018. So I should know that. I feel bad. I'm so excited about her as a character and as a person. I don't even care about like when she came out. She just, it's like she's always been there in my life, shifting my fate. She is a, a small girl, looks about eight years old, and she is an amazingly powerful individual. Um, her whole shtick is that she can travel and change people's fates. She can change people's destinies, and she can do so you know, on a whim, because she's a tiny child with immense power, which is in and of itself a little bit terrifying. I mean, Bob, if, when you were eight, what would you like to do if you had immense power? I probably would have been a little like Chandra. Really? I think I would have burned things. I think I would have had so many Lunchables. It would have been amazing. I was an angry little kid, so it gotcha. would be... Well, maybe I would have burned things down too later on, but I think one of the first things I would have done, because I was when I was growing up, like I just had cafeteria food, and it was, it was sad and it was terrible. And being a child of the 90s, Lunchables were amazing, so I would have definitely given myself infinite Lunchables as an eight-year-old child. If I had power. I could see that. I think I would eat a lot more Lunchables because I was always jealous of the kids at school. Because I also, I grew up very, very poor. Yeah. No, the so. kids who had Lunchables were always like the like cool kids who had the money and the power and the little containers that contained slimy bits of ham. Yeah. <laughs> and my jealousy. <laughs> I remember those slimy bits of ham. So Aminatu is not just an incredibly mischievous and adorable little girl, but she's got a lot of symbolism to her character. Seb McKinnon did the art. Of course, Seb McKinnon always knocks it out of the park. But in this particular instance, you know, she's a little girl, looks very serious, in a bog, with a stick and a net on her head. But her name is actually uh, pretty important. It's actually the name of a queen who lived around the 17th century, roughly, and who created this entire matrilineal empire, basically, and tried to take over most of Western Africa, which was really cool. It was rumored that she had a husband in each town that she passed through, and by morning, that dude was beheaded. So it was kind of a fun time. Needless to say, she is a crazy, powerful, amazing person. And I think it says a lot that this character was named after her. Not only that, but if you take a closer look at Aminatu's costume, you can see that the patterns on it are actually derived from traditional uh, Mali fabric. And that fabric is dyed with like mud or not natural ingredients. It's, it's really cool. And it's so amazing to see that kind of representation on a card. Um, it actually creates a lot of really fun connections. A couple of years ago, I had my Aminatu EDH deck and it got opened up in TSA 
And the woman in TSA who looked at the deck and she saw like, oh, Aminatu. And I was like, yeah, are you from West Africa? And she's like, yeah, I'm from Senegal. And I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, this is the, this is a card, this is a card that's inspired by that whole culture. And she was like, oh, that's really cool. So it's a really neat opportunity, I think, to see other cultures being represented. And not only that, but I think it's also really cool and subversive to have a tiny black girl be someone of a crazy, awesome power, kind of a la fledgling by Octavia Butler. So rad. And I love her so much. And she's my favorite EDH deck. Yay. There's so much power of youth in that character, too. Yeah, no, it's scary. Like the the card Aminatu's Augury? Yeah. Like just that image of this child auguring? Yeah. It's just great. Just augury all over the I don't place. Know, I don't know if that's actually a word, but it is now. It is now. <laughs> you know what? Let's be Shakespeare with how we pronounce our English. <laughs> but yeah, we definitely have way more um, amazing characters. Bob, you want to take us into one of your favorites? Oh, before before we go on, I saw like a, a Twitter post comparing Clothis or Clothis with Amita too. Oh my gosh, I'm covered with fur and drool. And love. And <laughs> love. Oh my gosh. That was awesome. <laughs> Come record with the Lorgoys. My cats will fawn and drool all over you. Yeah, that was great. Um, I'm like, I'm having a really big endorphin high right now. Oh, good. All that cat rubbing that was happening. Is that an appropriate thing to say on yeah, the podcast? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Uh, so Clothis and Aminatu, right? They're opposites. They're opposites, but there's some overlap there. Because uh, Aminatu, she can manipulate people's destinies, right? Mm-hmm. And same thing with Clothis as well. Well, No, no. Clothis does not manipulate destinies. She is the champion of destinies. She's like, you have a path, you're on it, you don't move, I'm not going to let you move. Where Aminatu's like, look, I want to change your story a little bit. It's literally going to rain spaghetti and meatballs. Oh, that's cute. It's literally, like, I would love to see a, I don't think a buddy cop film would be the right word. Maybe like a, maybe a Tom and Jerry situation where Clothis is like, I'm going to get you, tiny girl. And Aminatu just kind of flits in and out of (laughs) there, being like, I made it rain baklava. (laughs) (laughs) And now I flicker you. (laughs) Little, you know, that's how Elspeth got out of the underworld. I mean, not too. She was like, time for chaos. (laughs) But isn't it that whole idea of like straying away from your destiny? What if that's your destiny? What if your destiny is to stray away from your destiny and then come back to your destiny? That just got like seven layers deep in a world I don't think we have time to get into. But no. I, st- <laughs> I studied philosophy, Bob. These are the kinds of things that came here up at night. Justin's really revealing his blue side. That's right. <laughs> it's deep. I feel like the 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 meme with the person and like all the math equations going <laughs> on around their head. But, but speaking of blue, Bob, why don't you talk about your favorite personality in Dominaria? My husband? <laughs> your husband. He would not leave you alone. Teferi. Oh. For he- the record... I opened seven Heroes of Dominaria, <laughs> and I think I got eight Time Ravelers. Wow. Bob, Two of which were Japanese anime alternate arts. And Bob and Teferi are like best buds. and the th- But the thing is, I think it's very one-sided. <laughs> like, Bob, you don't really, you don't, like, Teferi's shenanigans aren't really your style of magic Not usually. Not really my style. But Teferi just keeps showing up being like, 
hey, Bob. <laughs> play come, control. Come play, play with control. me. You know, yeah. I think, you know, Teferi is trying to send you a message. I've always thought that you were a control player, Bob, but that, I mean, it's no. not. No. <laughs> I knew from day one when I met Bob that he was not a control player. Really? <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I know Feather I is can, more your cup of tea. I like turning things sideways. I like playing control, too, but I like letting other people play magic at the same time and beating them anyway, but... And then um, we go for ice sorry, cream. I just blow up my mind for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why don't you talk a little bit about Teferi, Bob? Yeah, so Teferi is a very interesting character, especially from the form of representation, because arguably Teferi is one of the most powerful characters in magic, hands down through story. He He's, controls time. He controls time. He is a pre-mending planeswalker. He has tasted true power. <laughs> He's died twice <laughs> and he's, keeps coming back so are you sure he's not like a time lord <laughs> he's no. not he's not a gallifreyan i'm, I'm not sure <laughs> he's not a time lord I'm, I'm pretty sure he is a time lord i don't know if he's from gallifrey um he's from zephyr yes but he also has this like speckled history right he studied in Teleria under urza because he was a promised uh mage back in the time yeah. yeah, I mean, it's funny there. Didn't they just, like, grab him? They were like, oh, you seem like you have aptitude. You have not been drafted into Urza's academy. It did. Essentially, it was just like, <laughs> you have a lot of magic power. Urza's the most powerful person in the world. He wants to collect this power. You're going to come study here. Or, of course, he meets his high school uh, girlfriend, Joyra. Mm-hmm. And then they blow up, and Karn goes back in time and brings them back, and... Yeah. Things go astray, and Teferi gets stuck in a time bubble. Where he's on fire. <laughs> Where he's yep. on fire. For, for like, like 40 years. A lot of years. For like 40 years. <laughs> and then Urza is like, I'm going to go to war. And everyone, because, like, Urza. Because, because Urza. Because Urza. And Teferi suddenly sits there and thinks, like, do I want to do this? Do I want to subject my people to this? And he makes a very interesting choice of, do I help the person who's in charge and who's taught me everything? Or do I save my people? And he chooses to try and save his people, mm-hmm. which is then when um, he blinks out Zalifer. Zalf- yeah, Zalfir. Zalf- yeah, Zalfir. He phases it out of existence with that with a large part of Shiv as well, mm-hmm. which is where uh, Joyer is. Isn't that dep- depicted on um, Teferi's protection? Uh, yeah, Teferi's... Teferi's protection. protection. Yeah, Teferi's yeah. protection, Yep. which is kind of sad because... He hasn't been able to blink it back in or phase well, it back it's in. It's interesting because essentially how it goes down is Teferi actually phases out with Zafir. Oh. It takes him and all of his people go out and they phase out of time. I don't know how he was planning to bring it back, but eventually Karuna, the false god, is looking for people to essentially repair Dominaria after the Phyrexian apocalypse and pulls Teferi back. And then this is when Teferi winds up giving up his spark to close the time rifts to bring mana back to Dominaria. And he gives up his spark to close the rift over Shiv. Mm-hmm. And the, the rift over where Zafir would be mm-hmm. is closed technically by Rada's life force mm-hmm. being run through by, I wrote down the other person's name. It's okay. Dominarian history is Steve. very complicated. <laughs> no, Steve's the one with the crossbow. Oh. Oh, I didn't write down the name. But kind of like the the antagonist of that story uses Rada's life force to close the rift in Zephyr, mm-hmm. essentially phasing Zephyr out of time, what they believe completely. Yogmoth? No, no, no. no, no. This okay. is long after Yogmoth. Oh, this is long after Yogmoth. Okay. It, it might be, it might be Corona. I but, gotcha. Yeah, but Teferi actually states at the time, he's like, I could probably fix it if I had a spark. But then he kind of like becomes a hermit on Dominaria for a while 
until we jump to modern times. 60 years later. <laughs> where he's running around with uh, Nyambi looking for these artifacts of Urza to try and still bring back Zephyr and mm-hmm. his people. Of course, finding that Joyra has been walking around with a spark around her neck for the last yeah, no, no 600 one, we years. We have no idea where that spark came from, and I guess we'll never know. <laughs> well, they used, we might find out later. The power stone that was <laughs> yeah. there was forged by Teferi and Joyra mm-hmm. to power one of Urza's artifacts. <laughs> I think it was the Ring of Gix. So uh, I hope it didn't vibrate. Yeah, no, that would have been awkward. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, then we got, got an itch you can't scratch. Oh my! <laughs> Try the ring of. I just Gix. noticed you put your your book down. I I didn't. I don't need notes for Current Teferi and his mm-hmm. oppressiveness, awesomeness of like. Go to Ravnica to face Bolus. The planar portal opens, and he goes like, "Oh, I'll just slow time down right there." Yeah. Shoot fish in a barrel, Chandra. Go. Yep. I was talking about the card. His, his cards being oppressive because Hero of Dominaria was everywhere, and, and Time Raveler are all forms of Teferi are quite oppressive. Even the Zeraphin Mage. Yeah. Stops you from casting spells outside of your turn. Yeah, that's true. They're very, very oppressive cards. And I think we'll continue to see Commander play for all of eternity. <laughs> I didn't get, you know, I didn't get to play very much with the Flash to Fairy. Ah, uh, Fast to Fairy. Fast Fairy. I also, that to Fairy was in Ultimate Masters, as well as one of the other Master sets, and I'm pretty sure I got one every draft. <laughs> you know, he was, uh, when I first started playing Commander, all those years ago... And the fast to fairy was like super expensive. Anyway, I digress. Well, he was, he was in a part the veil combo deck that was kind of busted. Yeah. Yep. The, the thing about Teferi that I love most, though, is that he is one of the few planeswalkers we know who has had children. As far as I know, him and Tamio are probably. Angrath. No, and, and Angrath. I've joked before, like, we should do a Planeswalker parenting podcast where each of us plays one of them. And we just talk about, like, we just get questions from other Planeswalkers and people about parenting and how we would handle it. But I think it's really touching. The story that Martha wrote for Safari with regards to his child was incredibly touching. Mm -hmm. You know, this is a man who has known ultimate power who has now helped to create someone who I think in many ways is like one of his biggest vulnerabilities. And there's that moment where Niambi as a child like stumbles and nearly falls over and he freezes time around her. And then he has this moment where he thinks, oh, should I like catch her or should I let her fall? And he chooses to let her fall because that's, as they say, per Chumbawamba, you get up again. And she's also just portrayed as such nope. a powerful woman of color as well. Yeah, no, she's she up, like she's older than Teferi. She looks physically. older than Teferi. Yeah, uh, I guess I should say yeah. Physically, she's not older, but biologically, she's older. Maybe that's the right answer. I, Her body has aged yes. more than Teferi's has. And and like at this point, Teferi is like a grandfather, a great grandfather. It, it's pretty crazy. But I love that they've been doing like Tomb Raider antics for a good majority of her life. That Chumbawamba song, by the way, uh-huh. two completely different sets of context. Yeah, totally. <laughs> well, when you have a band name like Chumbawamba, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But you know who's not a Chumbawamba? 
Who? Vivian Reed. Hi, Vivian Reed. Where's the art bow? Where did she put her? <laughs> I don't remember all of the Batmanisms that went into our 100% accurate re-summarizing and telling of... Don't cas- pray to Bolas, pray to me! <laughs> For Scala! I mean, that was my favorite character to do. And it ruined your throat. <laughs> it did. That was Cassandra Ka, right? That was yeah, Cassandra it was Cassandra Ka. Ka. She did a great job. And so Vivian Reed is from Scala. And Scala was visited some time ago by one Lord Nikki B. And uh, what, what? What, what? And Nikki B just totally laid waste and ruin to Scala. So Vivian Reed finds herself on Ixalan, and that's where the Cassandra Call stories take place. And then she ends up getting imprisoned by mm-hmm. one of the vampire colonies. And then... Uh-huh. And Luno, yeah. And Luno. And then she just goes, like, full-on... Oh, what's it? Liam Nelson? Liam Neeson, yeah. Yeah, Liam Neeson. She just goes full-on Liam Neeson... And she's able to she's- summon all of these creatures from her bow, and it's it's just a wild it's, ride. It's kind of like John Wick, except <laughs> with a bow, and the bow shoots animals. Shouldn't have killed the dinosaur. You shouldn't have killed the dinosaur. I'm gonna kill you with this very particular set of skills. <laughs> I have. I'll shoot you in the face with a bow. And then the arrow turns into an elephant. But what I love about Vivian Reed is that she's a good-aligned character or a evil-aligned character based on where your views of civilization are. Yeah. Uh, because if you are, you know, big city person or a big polis person, then you would probably not want to meet Vivian Reed. Yeah, she's going to knock all of that down and you're not going to get back up again. Yep. <laughs> you're just going to keep staying down. <laughs> yeah, and you're you're just not going to be able to piss the night away because there will be no bars standing anywhere. Yeah. I mean, the thing about Vivian that's amazing besides the fact that she is the second black woman planeswalker is the fact that she is so committed to preserving life in her way, right? Like the arc bow contains the vestiges and the souls pretty much of every creature that has ever been on Scala. And as she travels the multiverse, you know, she's kind of almost preserving these, the lives of animals she meets in her arc bow. Yeah. Vivian Reed also has a lot of significance uh, just as a face of green. Yes. So if you think back to, let's just go back to origins. Your, your your faces are, are Chandra, Gideon, maybe a Johnny if you count him. Nissa. Well, you got the Gatewatch. Yeah. You got the Gatewatch. Gate yeah. Lily, Nissa. Nissa. They're all white. Even a Johnny is white. <laughs> well, it's not his fault. He's all white. <laughs> but still, you have all of these white characters, and then we get into this new era, and Wizards is like, we're going to make one of the faces well, of these technically colors. Technically, Chandra is biracial, but yeah. Oh, she, I thought she's very present. white presenting. She, she has, she's very pale. I mean, how often does this happen? I thought you were talking about their like their color alignment, and I was I was waiting to hear 
You know, like Chandra might be red, Jace might be blue, Liliana might be black, and so on and so on. But at the end of the day, they're all white. And I was just like, oh, do tell me your your color analysis on why these characters' <laughs> identities are all, are all white. Yeah. They're I've, all white skin toned. Yeah. Yeah. I hear There's, I hear, there's yeah. not a lot of clear people of color representation there. But then we get Vivian Reed, who's the face of green, life, this really cool color that has stands a lot for mm-hmm. being strong and very, very deep, deep. And, uh, what's that? Like survivable. I, I want to say persistent, but that's not the right word. Resilient. Resilient. Of just like the, the big green stompy things are just, mm-hmm. they're going to keep coming. I don't care how many blockers you have. We're going to keep coming. Yeah. She reminds me of the DC character. I think cheetah, She's a strong black woman who, um, because of her superpowers, can channel the strength and skills of like various animals that she is attuned to. So she can hit with the force of an elephant or, you know, run with the speed of an ostrich or something like that. And Representation. Yeah. Kick-ass black lady. Please do more of it. Yes. But this one was good. Speaking of kick-ass black ladies, why don't we talk about Kaya? Kaya. Oh, you just kind of slipped that one through the wall, didn't you? Uh, just Kaya a little bit. is a badass queen from outer space. She's going invisible. Gonna stab you in the face with her invisible knife. Especially so if you're visible. a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> she ain't afraid of no ghost. Kaya is... Oh, we don't really know her last name, I believe, right? Kaya is just Kaya. Kaya is just Kaya. But Kaya, Kaya made her premiere in um, Conspiracy 2, The conspiracy mm-hmm. um, where she had been contracted by Queen... Mar- no, 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 Conspiracy 2. Ghost Assassin is in Conspiracy 1. No, it's Conspiracy 2. I'm going to fact check you. I believe you. She's yeah. going to fact check you. She, Queen, Queen Marchesa, because, right? Because Queen Marchesa, she was, she was contracted by Queen Marchesa to off... More of a pregnant pause. <laughs> Queen Queen Marquesa. Nope, gotta roll your R. I just let me tell the story. Marchesa. Okay, like so she was contracted by Queen Marchesa to kill the ghost king. Oh gosh, what's his name? The, the guy. Bray 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 Little Gouda. Oh gosh. In the middle. What's his name? Yeah, it's the blink oh, Brago. Brago. Oh, Brago. So yeah, she was contracted to kill Brago. And she didn't really have any qualms about this because Brago, despite being a good king while he was alive, had kind of descended into this sort of weirdness when he was dead. And as, you like, do. <laughs> as you do. As you do. You don't really have your faculties there, is it? <laughs> Presumably with your yeah. corpse. So um, she often real fast. And it was really exciting because uh, she was one of the first planeswalkers, I think, to not even have a plus ability. She just ticked down. And when she ticked yeah. down, but you can, but there's ways to like flicker her to bring her back. Yep. And that's kind of part of her character. She is a, according to her story, a character with a very strong moral compass like i would describe her as neutral good if i were to put her in a D alignment chart like she has her own code and own like morals and ethics with regards to how people should act and especially how dead people should act and so in the story for example she is contracted to kill this ghost in a house and then she finds out the ghost is actually the ghost of the client's mother whom he murdered and so she was like, um, yeah, I'm just going to take this money and lure you to this house and let your mother have your way with you. You terrible, terrible person. And she like pieces out. <laughs> so she's definitely, if not like neutral good or chaotic good, 
she she has her own um, ideas of what the living and the dead should be all about and is totally cool with making certain that that is the case. Django Wexler's uh, Kaya. In... Yeah, The Gathering Storm yeah, was amazing. Really good. Very well done. Um, yeah, but she's, again, hired uh-huh. she... to murder more old white dudes. Yeah, so Kaya was basically hired, brought in uh, through through one connection or another, hired by Tessa and her and um, to some extent, not really, but uh, oh gosh, Tomek as well. Didn't Bolas have some? Bolas totally set it up. Bolas set that up. He was like the broker, and he basically said that if you are here and position yourself like this, I will help your family and your world fix their sky. Oh yeah, the sky is like basically broken. Yeah, the sky yeah, is broken. The sky is broken. I almost got that confused with uh, Teo's homeworld. Nah, the sky the... is just sand. <laughs> it's yeah. all just sand. So so Kaya shows up. She basically takes out the patriarchy, which is to say the opposite to Hell yeah. And oh my gosh, that symbology is amazing. <laughs> Kick-ass black woman taking down a bunch of like old dead white dudes. Yes. And the process, the like the lead up to the story too, it's like you've got Rao and Vraska with the Golgari that are causing this huge distraction on the other side of the catacombs. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Kaya's going in, mission impossible. <laughs> like there's a bunch of Orzhov traps. She's affixing herself to the walls and like gargoyles are coming to life and biting her. And she's like, eh. I'm Kaya, get off me, you stupid stone gargoyle. Yeah, no, she is basically Mission Impossibling slash James Bonding slash just being a general badass as she is an assassin, takes out these ghosts. But unfortunately, killing the Obzad means that all of the debts that are magically and legally tied to these, the patriarchy, it's now her responsibility. And that is also kind of really cool, like symbolically speaking, because now there's this giant power vacuum and you're in charge now. Like, what kind of changes are you going to make in this world? And turns out she makes some changes. She doesn't really respond to that very well. Of course, like she's massively hungover the next day after killing the patriarchy with all the debts hanging over her, right? Mm -hmm. And then... There's a ceremony that, like, she becomes the new oligarch or whatever. Mm-hmm. She really has to go to the bathroom, right? Yeah, she has to go to the bathroom the whole time, and it's really not. And then she meets someone who is in debt to the church yep. and forgives their debt. Yep. And starts forgiving debts left and right. Yep. And it becomes a really interesting situation, right? Because as we've mentioned before, Kaya is a person of deep inner morality and she has her own ideas of what's right and wrong. And this, to some extent, kind of butts up against the necessity of the of what the Orzhov does, right? Yep. Because even though the Orzhov are shady AF <laughs> and... I mean, they're a bank. They are a bank. And when it comes down to it, they serve a real and important purpose on... Ravnica. But under Kaya's rule, it becomes a question of how are we going to exist now under this new regime, essentially. And she does this by forgiving the debts of a ton of people. <laughs> isn't isn't she like somewhat nonchalant about it? Um, I don't think she's quite she's nonchalant. nonchalant. She is torn. So Kaya generally wants to do what's best for the people around her. Kaya is very... 
I wouldn't say she cares about society as much as she cares about the people in the society. Yeah, she's very compassionate. I think she has a lot of empathy. Mm-hmm. Which um, is awesome. And I think, unfortunately, that empathy is not a great thing to have when you are now the head of a giant bank. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to have that bank running optimally, quote unquote. Not unless you can make money. Precisely. Off of to, empathy. We mm-hmm. need to see the friendship side of her. So, like... Don't read War of the Spark. It was not good. But the, the relationship that built up between Rat, Teo, and Kaya is a very interesting dynamic that I think could have been really awesome of this like friendly compassion side of like what happens when you actually get close to the real Kaya mm-hmm. and she cares. Yeah, and she does care. I think in her line of work, you see a lot of bad things happen to good people. And you might be that bad thing happening to good people. But. And you might be that bad thing happening to a good person. <laughs> or maybe not. Maybe you're that bad thing happening to a bad person. So Kaya is... Uh, we're not going to talk about her role in Forsaken because we are not going to talk about Forsaken. Essentially, we'd lo- what we'd like to say is Kaya is amazing. Also, Kaya um, was the first character, I believe, that Wizards brought in a consultant for. They brought in Monique Jones of Nerds of Color to come and add a lot of really great details in order to give Kaya like a real place in the world as opposed to being a rather stereotypical, poorly written woman of color who just appears out of nowhere and kicks ass. Rooting this character in, you know, her heritage, I think really helps breathe life into the character and make her more than just a quote unquote token. And I think that is a really good response to say N.K. Jemison's really fantastic essay uh, talking about this really not great phenomenon about writing women of color, which is like the rootless woman that's kind of, I'm paraphrasing here, but it's a really great essay. You should go find it. Yeah. I'm so glad that Wizards took the time to round her out as an amazing character. I think it probably helps set the path for some of these other characters we've seen throughout history of like writing strong black characters. Not all of them good, but mm-hmm. strong. Yeah, and and the thing too is that um, we are doing a better and better job, I think, of making these flesh and blood individuals, um, gi- giving those little details that you wouldn't have otherwise known about unless it was written with that person's real world perspective in mind. Like if I were to write a woman in like a fanfic or something like that, I would want to, you know, if she was Vietnamese, I might add like a little bit of something here and there to really kind of give you that intimate flavor of what it's like to live as a Vietnamese American person. So likewise, I'm really glad that Watsi gave us that experience. And we've seen it in some of the recent writings, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I think a good example of what you're just saying now is Lyndon. Ah, uh, Lyndon, my Hazel. queen! My queen! These are very real characters dealing with very real issues in a way that I think that we, we still see people of color dealing with them today. Yeah, there was a lot of backlash to Lyndon. Like, let's be real here. People were really racist and sexist. And they were calling Linda like, I don't know, like a gorilla. It was terrible. Yeah. It, it was, was it was abhorrent. It was racist. And it was just yeah, like that's not okay. It's it's not okay. And I'm obviously not a person of color. Mm-hmm. I am over a person of size, so I've dealt with my own versions of some of these things. But the way that Kate Elliott wrote this character and her stoicism, like being a strong character in the face of this adversity. Mm-hmm is really uplifting mm-hmm. and to see it again in the daughter hazel who is hearing all of these things said about her mom 
and just being this young, strong kid. It's awesome. Yeah, no, Lyndon, as written by Kate Elliott, is by far one of my favorite characters of all time. She is pragmatic. She gets things done. She's not really all about the frou-frou and the frills. She is here to dispense justice and make sure that everything is taken care of. And she is uh, fiercely protective of her family and her sons and daughters. Like the fact that Rowan and Will aren't her own children biologically, she doesn't care. She is their mother. Like she brought them back to life. So that's incredible. The sacrifices that she made are laudable and, and mark her, I think, as one of the strongest characters we've ever seen in magic. Yeah, I think another really good example of, of just strong characters of the legacy is, of course, Sisse. Yes. Um, or Captain Sisse. At least when, when they let her be strong and, and as opposed to suddenly she's not strong and they she, then she gets kidnapped. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I won't give it to the writing of the time. But we also have Shauna, mm-hmm. Sisse's legacy. Yep. Shauna is an amazing character, also very like stoic and pragmatic, but very committed to, yeah, to, to preserving the legacy of her ancestor, which is super rad and very valid. And then, of course, there's a good old Crovax, who is... Oh, Crovax. <laughs> here's the thing that I like, is that they're not afraid to put people of color in bad spots. Like, it is okay to write a villain who is a person of color... As long as they're not a villain because they're a person of color. True. Like, what made Krovax a terrible person was many things, but chief among them was the fact they kept objectifying a person made of white mana and mooning over them and, uh, Krovax. Uh, <laughs> and then he became a vampire. <laughs> I've been enjoying listening to you both. My, my cat boyfriend came back. It's <laughs> totally cool. Yeah, they always do. <laughs> Another person of questionable ethics is a, a, a Trotta. Here we have another powerful person of color. Person of color. Yeah, going around slaying, shanking people, just slaying people, <laughs> and then she gets shuffled back in your library. You're like, no, <laughs> this is gonna happen again. Is cough on your list? Cough is amazing. Cough is not on my list because I cough is an interesting case of where cough is made of stone. But cough is such a powerful character because he embodies the Mirrodin resistance at its most fierce and at its most intense. Like he's basically is, you know, I think his quote was like, I will fight until there is victory. And if there's no victory, I'll fight forever. Yeah. I know. I know a lot of black people who are made out of stone. Wow, you both are just looking at me. I'm so confused. What was that? Because they're like so solid and, their fortitude is just oh, I like... See. That, was, that was a metaphor that just <laughs> landed like, yeah. like just thudded on the ground and we were all both very confused. Yeah. Of UFOs. But, um, Some were up there, but they never quite land. But yeah, Koth, he, he and his people were part of the Furnace Lair and Mirrodin. He was one of the last people standing before Mirrodin completely fell. And we do not know... Where he is. We've seen, I think, the reprint of Phyrexian Arena yep. has him shown fighting yep. other people in some kind of gladiatorial like situation. But his strength and his tenacity are qualities that make him one of the most emblematic planeswalkers of all time. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping that Koth comes back and um, we get some really amazing story because the, the, his character and what he's been through, it can, there's a lot there to work with. Yeah, Elspeth, when she gets out, she goes back and she's like, Koth, I'm here. I have a weird drippy ink 
spirit out. <laughs> let's go. Let's go shake some people. <laughs> yeah. So I, I have two other characters I want to mention. Yeah. The first off, Michelle, I, I talked to you about earlier. Yeah. I'm not 100% sure that this is a person of color, but the card art presents her this way. And that's Lyra Dawnbringer. Yeah, she's a person of color. Okay, she is. Here we have the leader of the Angels of Dominaria. Probably one of the most badass characters on the plane. Just projected in power. Just uh, so badass. She didn't have a whole lot of time in the Dominaria story. She showed up and was like, oh, hey. Tiana. Tiana, yeah. She just shows up and is like, hey, Tiana, you're here and you've been made. To guard this dam. <laughs> Shows up. Dam is gone. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Tiana. Uh, then the last one is also, Sally doesn't have a huge amount of story. It's actually Pier. Yeah. From the Battle Bond set. Oh, yeah. And Toothy. Oh, my goodness. I love Pier so much. You were talking about how, how he was very similar to Amina to you. Yeah. In some also, ways. Yeah. a very powerful character. Has the ability to imagine Toothy, his imaginary friend of very molar proportions. Yes. Just mows things down in this <laughs> battle arena. And he can't be more than what? Like 12? Toothy like, draws you cards, right? Toothy draws you cards. Peer looks for Toothy. Empowers other characters. Yes. Okay. He, and they both look for each other, right? They look well, for yeah, each they're other. partners. Yeah, Peer, it's a hardening skills. Peer just might empower everyone. But he's, Pierre is a good ally. He's a very, very good card and also a fantastic kid. And just great representation of yep. of youth. And really, really awesome. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that pretty much wraps it up for this really fun episode. Again, we'd love to give our thanks to Card Kingdom. I know that they're just as committed to inclusivity and representation as Watsi is and as we are. And again, huge thanks to our wonderful patrons on Patreon. Thanks, patrons. Those of you who are not trees. <laughs> I support the tree patrons, too. The you tree. leave them alone. You leave, yeah. They should leave me alone. We're trying to get to the root of the matter. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh, you really want to limp for that one. Yeah, no, barking up the wrong I mean, tree I, here. <laughs> this Black History Month, especially, I've just been really reflecting on where... Like where I am mm-hmm. and how I can help. What makes magic so great is the gathering part, right? Mm-hmm. You just get so many people from completely different, diverse backgrounds. And it's just really sad and upsetting when a certain population of people with a certain way of thinking or a certain perception, like they see an awesome character like Queen Linden Mm -hmm. and then they just go crazy. And I just have so much respect, so much more respect for the game Mm -hmm. for going the extra mile to include more people in the descriptions because like did you know if i can be real mm-hmm. i you know i'm a white person i'm also a gay person but i go like visit my mom or i'll go visit my dad and there's just you know i'm in a sea of other white people and i have to think and i have to wonder to myself like as a person of color every day how alienating that is and it can be, as speaking as a person of color. Um, I've grown up for most of my life uh, around people who were who were not Asian, but I had the good fortune of growing up in San Antonio, which was a place of a lot of diversity. But I think it's one of the reasons why magic is so great, right? And you kind of touched on this. Even if 
your personal reality doesn't reflect what's on these cards in terms of, oh, you know, I don't get to see strong women like Lyndon all the time. I don't get to see amazingly passionate characters like Koth. But the idea that they can exist yeah. is so powerful that I think it helps individuals all over the world process that there is a space in the universe for an individual like this, and that's okay, and that should be celebrated. And it should be celebrated. Yeah. That's the important part. I yeah. think that doesn't fall on wizards. I think that falls on us as a community, mm-hmm. is that wizards needs to do these things, like create these Linden characters, these Kayas, these Teferis, mm-hmm. and we need to celebrate it. Yep. And we need to be like, good job, wizards. This character is awesome. We mm-hmm. want more. And Give us more and prove to wizards, who's their capitalist company, that they can make money by they can make more money by being more inclusive. Yep. Yeah, and and the thing is that even if this we don't have a lot of people of color of power right now, at least um, at least in our government here in the United States, what is great about these cards is that they show us a world in which we can be. Yeah, and that's I think incredibly wonderful. Yep. And I'm, for one, I'm grateful that we can go to our local game store and there are different people of color, there are different ages, Mm -hmm. trans folks come to our store, Mm -hmm. kids come to our store, differently abled people come to our store, and it's just, like, fantastic, you know? Even to go a step further, like, Gamescape prides themselves on supporting a diverse population of players Mm -hmm. and they go above and beyond to make sure that people are respectful of each other Mm -hmm. yeah you see it everywhere too like one person uh, i don't know that she needs any more clout it might go to her head but like tappy toe claws is a champion of this kind of stuff Mm -hmm. and like I think more people don't need to be at her level, but need to be more champions of like when you see it going wrong, just call, call it, it out. out. Yeah, call it out. Call it out. You don't have to be confrontational. You don't have to go get in their face. That's what they're they're mm-hmm. judges and support people that are there for that. But call it out. Get them help. Exactly. And um, people like her, like Jerry Thompson, so many awesome allies in the community. Uh, we want to make sure that this game is for everyone. This game is for everybody. And, you know, if anybody else tells you otherwise, tell them to go, like... Uh, just don't. Just don't. Just, just go don't. play. Just go don't be play a hermit. Anything. Hide. Don't just interact hide. with people. If you're not going to be a nice person, stay home. Just, like, <laughs> expand your horizons, you know? like Yeah. Be like Crewfix. Just, like, talk to people that are, that are different than you and that present differently from you. And, like, listen. Mm-hmm. You know, that's... I think that's... It's the biggest thing, you know, as somebody who's white, mm-hmm. you know, I just, I just listen. I like how you just keep looking at the insides of your arms as if you're checking to see if they've, as, as if your whiteness has changed. Still white? Are you still yes. white? I know. Am well, I still white? I, I, wait, yes. wait, are you still white? At the end of the day, like I didn't choose this body and I didn't choose the way I am and it's you know I don't think anybody should be faulted because of something they had no choice over I just think mm-hmm. it's anyway I yeah, that's a whole another topic that's, that's not even magic based topic. yeah we, should, we all sometimes can check our privilege um, yeah but but we digress anyway let's wrap this thing up all right I've been one of your hosts Michelle I'm Justin and I'm Bob and we will see you next time bye bye
I guess we so, can just talk through that. Somebody's pizza pocket is done. <laughs> <laughs> if David Attenborough and John Wick got together and adopted, I think they would definitely have arguments about, you know, the uh, the authorship question of Shakespeare. But other than that... <laughs> You know, I started playing Commander before it was cool, just as everybody knows. Yeah, I don't think we should go into tree sex into Card Kingdom. Yeah, no, that's not a good segue. <laughs> not really well, why the brand. fuck not? I just don't think it's their brand, you know? They're Card Kingdom. Kingdom. <laughs> no. The tree sex is great. <laughs> Especially if you're an orange tree. Uh, um, I don't get that, but okay. I don't know. I also don't understand it. I don't I think, understand. I think that Justin may have like, I think your allergies are driving you just a little bit up the wall. Yeah. She's such a sassy cat. She has such attitude. The other cats I've had do not have that kind of attitude. This mm, microphone. Uh, oh no! It's so hot. It's like my second love. Oh yeah. No, mm. please don't. We have to clean these mics. Please don't <laughs> sit on that. the microphone. Please don't sit on the microphone. I don't know. Ah, there we go. Oh, eat the yeah. microphone. Please don't eat the microphones. It's Valentine's Day. <laughs> these microphones are lonely. 